Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingbear from the IDP Read and React IDP Podcast right here at TLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. you, chap golly good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, yes, my good man, and of course I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very very cool, Tom, very cool. Um, Well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Read and React. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Always got to bring it just a little extra when we when stuff we all get joins the show. And uh, Swagzilla Zero G back with us. Hey. One more time before the season starts. And you're standing up like you're getting into that. Like, <laughs> just a little extra. Hogue just knows little. that I love watching <laughs> an intro to the Superflex Super Show, so I am thoroughly entertained and happy to be here, man. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. It's like the Ray Lewis chipmunk dance thing that he used to do, pump everybody up. Yes. Almost <laughs> had to give like the good morning Superflex City. Yeah, <laughs> that's right uh throwback <laughs> ah memories <laughs> uh well we're back in Superflex city by the way we got the logo going here in our uh in our in our uh recording studio that you're not able to see because this is a uh, audio only medium <laughs> so so you have to just take our word for it but we got the Superflex city logo we got the Superflex city vibe we've got the super flex city energy and we've got swags back here so that we can talk a little bit of super flex and it's not even necessarily super flex i mean that's just kind of that's what you and i talk about that's just the best format that you can play in it's really the only way that people should be playing and and the thing is, I mean, if you're listening to the Superflex Super Show, I imagine you're in at least one Superflex league that you kind of care about. <laughs> so, so I think that's a safe assumption. So, uh, we're we're still going to focus on Superflex primarily here, but I do think that we need to shift a little bit to redraft. And I mean, you know, being here on the DynastyLeagueFootball.com family of podcast mega feed. We could also just as easily say Dynasty Year One. <laughs> How do you win? How do you go win Dynasty Year One, aka a redraft league? How do, you, how do you do that? And I know that you think a lot about this. I know that you spend a lot of time on this. I mean, when you're, uh, you know, rookie fever kind of, um, you know, guides you towards, uh, you know, really kind of focusing on the rookies through draft season, but. I also just know that you're one of those guys who thinks a lot about, you know, this upcoming season and you're able to kind of 
you know, put the blinders on a little bit and say, you know, dynasty, sure, but, you know, let's just talk about right now because, you know, now is now is the time to go get a championship. Now is the time to find the guys that help you go win. And then, you know, you kind of deal with the rest later. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I know that there's some very specific strategies, you know, talking about value, the concept of value that go along with it. But it, it, it seems to me, and this is just my take on it, you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems to me that a lot of a lot of it for you just kind of stems with it starts with the here and now like you know what what are we doing right this moment and uh what are we doing to you know finish up some rebuilds if that's what we're doing strengthening some contenders reinforcing and there you getting go. ready to roll yeah i appreciate that and that i mean sometimes it's hard too because we all are part of we could say the same community for the most part. We know a lot of the same people. We talk to people, we see things said, but sometimes like for me, it's just, I have to remember why I started creating fantasy football content. And it was because I wanted to help people win. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to do at the end of the day. I want to win that ring. I want to win that trophy. I want to put money in my pocket because your chances of winning aren't, it's not like you're going to ever win a league every year. Your chances are already slim. So if you feel like you can do it, I think you should go for it. And I think that it's easier than ever to get some of those pieces to contend in dynasty in year one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a little bit counter. Um, uh, it's a little bit contradictory to what we've been talking about throughout a lot of the off season, which is, you know, if, if you're not ready to contend right now, you know, this rookie class didn't help, most likely. I mean, you know, it seems like we're going to get some kind of marginal flex level starters out of the rookie class. Uh, you know, I think we're going to talk about Damian Pierce, if I remember right. Uh, we had a couple other. Isaiah Pacheco, of course. We've got to talk about Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco. What we'll the heck, oh, Pacheco? <laughs> I love Isaiah Pacheco, man. And that He's was your like, guy. That was that was one of my yeah like I started I was on that train fairly early, um, and uh, you know well before uh, well before the preseason started and um, it's kind of funny to to like it's starting to feel like maybe it might end up being a full, a full circle type of thing where we're just kind of like all right now it's time to back off just a little bit but. We'll see. We'll talk about that. We're going to get to that. Once but, everybody else gets involved, it's not as fun. You're yeah. kind of like, oh, like this was a lot more fun when like I, I was I was ahead of it. I know, dude. It, and it is never satisfying to be out in front on a player in this industry. Like it, it never, it never worked. I mean, I was there with Chris Carson. I was there with Philip Lindsay. I was there with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I got like a little bit of credit for a minute (laughs) and everyone just kind of forgot and everyone starts acting like they had already planted that flag. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I've had that that same thought so often. (laughs) And for me, like it's kind of changed a little bit in Dynasty and and even in redraft in any format, really, you could use this. But to me, it's really not always about finding that next guy and getting ahead of it, but it's about moving him before everybody else wants to. Yeah. 
and and then finding another guy because it and sometimes that's hard because do you find it like are you this is how i am i i'll i'll admit it and this is really bad i can tell you what to do sometimes better than i can do it but do you find that like if you find a guy like you get him maybe cheap let's use pacheco for example and let's say hypothetically he's a rb1 this year he just freaking hits big time hypothetically i'm just using this like ultra bargain that's isaiah pacheco for this example is it harder for you to come off him now that he hit because he's your guy and you kind of had like emotions invested in him not necessarily assets but emotions is it now harder for you to come off yeah. of your guy than it is let's say christian mccaffrey if he becomes an rb1 again you know what i mean like yes oh yeah for for sure and and i mean part of it is that you know i i and i think it would be easier if pacheco hit to a level where everybody's kind of in agreement that like, okay, that was a hit. That was a big time hit. Then I could move on him. But the fact that there's still some, some debate over this, there's still consternation over, you know, is, is, is he, is he better than Clyde Edwards Alaire? Like that's still not only up in the air, but I would say the majority of people still say no, which is crazy to me. I mean, it like just watch the two play <laughs> You know, forget about the numbers for a second. That's that's this is my biggest freaking campaign fighting back the frontiers of analytical, uh, you know, fantasy analysis, data driven fantasy analysis. Stop looking at the numbers for a second and watch these two guys play like that's all you have to do. But, you know, the fact that we're not there yet makes it it does. It makes it harder for me to to move away from Pacheco because then it would feel like I'm. You know, I'm somehow bailing on this take, even though that's not at all the case. I don't think it's always the case. Like, I do, I do think there becomes that point where somebody like Pacheco, and this is what you wanted to talk about today a little bit, but is what's the realm of outcomes? And, like, how, does he yeah. get priced near his ceiling? Because once a player is priced around his ceiling and he hasn't done anything yet, you can, you can get out of him for that ceiling which is based around hypo like foreseeable production we'll say but you can also go get players that are that are already giving you production mm -hmm. like is it better to go to get somebody that's getting a little bit of shade thrown on him at this point and like do you go get david montgomery like do you believe pacheco is going to have more fantasy points than david montgomery yeah probably not no Wow, you yeah. think Pacheco is or so you're on the No, I think Montgomery outscores Pacheco. Yeah, yeah, same. So yeah. even in your in your leagues now in your redraft leagues as you're doing these cuz Pacheco's going to skyrocket, you could probably get somebody that people are kind of like that guy that everybody's like Oh, I can't be the guy to take David Montgomery, even though you kind of know, everybody knows like, okay, this could be my RB two or RB three on my team, you know, depending on how you draft. Yeah. And, but you're still just like, nope, I can't, can't have Josh Jacobs, can't have David Montgomery. <laughs> so like those guys, it's almost just like, I don't know, like even in dynasty, is that the move to make right now? If you're trying to win and even for the foreseeable future, so it, dynasty yeah. should be like a swear jar word today. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, like I said, I think that, I mean, first of all, at this point, just about everybody is taking kind of a, a redraft focus, even in dynasty leagues. And, and you know, you really kind of should, if you're going to, if you're going to compete, you can't be looking past 2022. I don't think, I mean, you know, to a certain extent, obviously, like you can, if you already have Justin Jefferson on your, on your roster, you can prioritize, you know, hanging on to him rather than trading for, you know, Cooper cup plus something just because Jefferson is, you know, significantly younger and going to last hold his value or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That's another swear word. Uh, swear jar word um value is so weird because <laughs> like values like almost fictional in every aspect like especially this time of year because in redraft i feel like you have no idea who a value is until you've drafted them and they've exceeded their adp right you you really don't know like they have to become a value to be a value like you could say all day like oh Cortland sutton was such a value in the fifth round and it feels good. Your lineup's looking sexy, but you don't really know yet. Like, and I'm not That's even true. arguing the fact that he is or not going to be, but you have no idea who was a value until it gets going. And then in dynasty value is just so all over the place. And that's a whole, that's a complete another conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, uh, on the what did Andy say on the office? You, I, I wish that I knew I was in the good old days when, uh, or I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days when you're actually there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same thing with value. Like you didn't actually know that that was a value at the time. I mean, there, there probably are some players that it, and, and to me, Sutton seems pretty obvious. I, mm-hmm. you know, that's one that's it, it, where he's going, considering like the situation that he's in now. I think that that's there. There are a handful of guys that you're just like, man. There's kind of no way we're not even necessarily going to talk about them today because there's just kind of no way that they don't exceed uh, their ADP. You yeah, know? you you have to be excited in Denver with Russell Wilson this year. Yeah, particularly for Sutton and Javante. I think I you know the rest of those guys. I don't know. No, it's Jerry still, Judy love. I mean, I th- I think that he's fine. It's just he- he's got a very different style of play than anything that Russ has had before. And I don't know how much it's going to translate, you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I mean, he's he, it's it's kind of a it, like in an, an anticipation type of thing because Jerry Judy's such a good route runner that it's just kind of like you're anticipating the breaks because he's going to create separation. You just got to make sure that the ball is there on time. And that's never been Russell Wilson's game. You know, he's, he's a lot more of a kind of a deep down the field, YOLO ball type of guy. Um, and he needs people who separate with speed and then people who go up and win jump balls. Both of those things are Cortland Sutton and it's not really Jerry Judy necessarily so but i I mean i think he'll be fine he just kind of gets lost in the mix a little Mm -hmm. bit like you're like you know three deep at tight end and um you still got hamler and 
they've got a bunch of wide receivers that they like a lot. So, yeah, it just kind of everybody cannibalizes each other um, other than Sutton. That's that's my guess. Anyways, that's yeah. That, and that's kind of how it's sounding. It sounds like he's the favorite target of Russell Wilson right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because he's the guy. Yeah, he. You, you know, you don't have to have the timing right. You don't have to put the ball. You know, uh, in a shoebox for him. <clears throat> he'll he'll go win it wherever it's at. So um, that's a that's a quarterback's bo- best friend in most cases. Um, yep. But yeah, so like I said, I mean, to me, Sutton is is kind of a slam dunk. But there, we've got some guys that we want to talk about. And I'll set this up a little bit better <laughs> for us real quick. We just started talking. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's what we typically do. We do have a topic. Forgot about the show. <laughs> we do have a topic, and we'll probably deviate from it many, many times. But we're going to try and get through as many of these names as we possibly can. But we really just kind of want to talk about, like you said, range of outcomes. We want to talk about, you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario for a for some players and and kind of focusing on some pretty divisive players you know and then what's the most likely scenario to me this is something that gets missed so much because it's 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 more fun to i mean for some someone it's not fun for me but for some people it's more fun to get on twitter and and just debate the opposite extremes you know the extreme mm-hmm. ends of the spectrum and just totally ignore what is the most likely thing to happen here with this player and we already talked about Isaiah Pacheco so I feel like we might as well clean that up you know and it just just uh stick with him for the moment but so but most likely whether you like him or not Clyde Edwards Alaire is probably going to get first shot at the lead back there right you think i kind of think so out the gate yeah yeah probably the fact that they're willing to let a seventh round running back move up as high as he has in the depth chart tells me that they're open to it yeah he's definitely going to make the team he's yeah great on special teams he's probably going to bump ronald jones off the team which is something that that people would have, would not have put in his range of outcomes, you know, even a month or two ago. Yeah, so, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Yeah. So what what is his what is his like? I, I'm curious how you do feel about him, like from best worst to most likely. Yeah, I mean, I think worst case scenario is he's kind of one B to Edwards Alaire, you know, Mm -hmm. I think they do a lot of the same things. I think, you know, I think, I do think Pacheco is a better between the tackles runner, which should indicate early down and goal line type work. I think Edwards Alaire is a better receiver out of the backfield, but neither of them, it's, it's not, it's not a huge discrepancy either way, you know? So it, it, it seems like, and I, I'm curious of your thoughts too. I mean, this is, this is. <laughs> I didn't just bring you in to uh, to let me to be my sounding board because <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I know I you've got yeah. thoughts on this stuff. But yeah, to me, 
the the worst case scenario for Isaiah Pacheco is that Clyde Edwards Alaire stays healthy all season and hangs on to his role all season. And, you know, Pacheco is just kind of a, a you know, a, whatever you want to call it, change of pace kind of. Um, I, you know, it could be a, it could be a 50, 50 split, honestly, mm-hmm. to me, that's worst case. Yeah. See, I'm kind of, and, and that's why like this one, I think we're just going to disagree on a little bit because I, yeah. and I think part of my problem and I try to not do this with Pacheco is chiefs hype. Like there's always a wide receiver that I feel like is overhyped or mm-hmm. running backs. Anybody that goes there, I feel like just gets a little bit of extra love. I feel like Clyde Edwards Alaire is probably going to be the back there. And he's somebody that I've, I'm so used to not even saying anything kind of positive about, <laughs> but I feel like he is like an ultimate value right now in redraft in in any seasonal format and i do agree with you i think they could eat into each other a little bit but i think pacheco like i think he's probably due for closer to like 800 all-purpose yards without his special teams Mm -hmm. i think like 600 700 on the ground and then two to three through the air yeah which isn't bad for a rookie quite honestly if it's all-purpose but I don't know. I'm kind of out. Yeah. I mean, so the, the problem with, you know, my version of the worst case scenario, that, that time split makes it really hard to know when to start Pacheco. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. if he's, if he's one B in that offense, that's never been real run heavy. Even if they do increase the amount of rushing attempts you know, go to the running backs out of the backfield a little bit more in the passing game, like, you know, just because, you know, now they don't have Tyree Kill, so, you know, you don't have that short-range passing game, get him in space and let him do his thing. You don't have that anymore to kind of be an extension of your running game. Now you've got to actually run the ball, you know. So I, I there there could be more work available to those guys, but I mean, if they split it 50-50 or anywhere close to that, I you know, like I said, we're I don't know when you ever when you start Pacheco. Yeah. So, like or worst case scenario is still bad. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it it looks good for him. It's a it's a nice resume builder, but for fantasy purposes, he he wouldn't be useful in that scenario. Yeah, and I think you probably have so much of him in some of your leagues. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think you diversify. Yeah, probably should. <laughs> like I said, I need, I need more people to get him, uh, get on board with this. Yeah. And, because and I maybe mean, nothing bad has happened. Yeah. As far as like his value or anything like that, but also like really nothing good has happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just all preseason and camp, which you start to see signs of things, but at this point I think that you can get out at a price that you're you'll still be fine watching him succeed. Right. Like you'll you'll get an asset of some sort that you'll be like, Man, okay, that's cool. I still have some Pacheco. 
I, I did move a couple shares, but I got this for it, so I'm I'm fine. I think you can get out with that, like without losing right now. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's hard to do. It, it is it, like honestly, <laughs> it, like I'm not like I can say that so easily. Like for me, like one of my guys that comes to mind is like Swift. I have a lot of Swift. Like really, it'd yeah. be smart to like move a few. Like right now before before he does anything good or bad because I can get out at uh, that same thing, but with more obviously, but you can get out at a price that you're fine watching Swift succeed because that's how he's priced out right now. Yeah. So this is something though. I, and I kind of talked with Scott Connor about this as well. Um, you know, because he's, he does the, uh, the portfolio strategy for dynasty. And, and I mean, <laughs> found so many reasons that it that it works um and it's really interesting to me uh the one thing that i can't get past though is those guys that i have such a strong feeling about why would i diversify and i wonder how you feel about that and swift is a is the perfect example of this because i've got a ton of swift too Mm -hmm. and i you know i've i've been saying to me like you get DeAndre Swift, you get Saquon Barkley, get those two guys into your lineup, and the rest of the lineup doesn't even matter a whole lot. <laughs> like, yeah, the, those guys have the potential to just carry you the whole way, just kind of single handedly, you know. And I know you're super high on Barkley, so this might not work as a great scenario for you, but what's the plus on top of Barkley that you can get if you move Swift? Because those are two great examples. Like Barkley, yeah. I'm fine having Barkley on my team as well. But like at this point, I could get a plus on top of that if I move Swift, assuming you don't so, have them both on the same team. Well, that's the thing. That's my goal is to get them both. They're kind of like the Infinity Stones. <laughs> like you get them both, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you want both of those guys. And, and so that's the bigger thing is I'm trying to figure out how to how to add Barkley without losing Swift mm-hmm. and vice versa in some spots, you know? Um, I don't have very many yet, very many rosters at the moment where I've got both. And uh, man, Scott Fishbowl was the one where I really wanted to make that happen. And I should have just, I went quarterback with my uh, second pick. I took Swift and then I went Russell Wilson, Homer pick, we know how important quarterbacks are. Mm-hmm. And then I got sniped on Barkley. And, and like I've been kicking myself ever since. And I've just been saying, you know what, I, from now on, whatever I've got to do <laughs> to get both of those guys. I just have such a strong feeling about that. I just feel like I, like, I, I, I don't think that this game has changed. People are pretty convinced that it has after 2021 they're pretty convinced that running backs just don't really move the needle anymore because they didn't in 2021 and they're pretty convinced that you know with a with a the right mix of wide receivers you can just you know you can create this unstoppable lineup and i just that that worked one time (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've been playing this game for a long time and I've seen this happen once. Like beyond right. that, it's been it. It's always been running backs. Even then, the teams that had some running back 
depth to be able to go through some injuries where the teams that were a little stronger, even with a lot of wide receivers being relevant. I think we're going to see that more and more though, John, like not to go against what you're saying, but I don't think that the wide receivers are going to score comparable points to the running backs, but I think we're going to see it more and more to, and more to art, like, not to be just so agreeable with you for this part, but the wide receivers don't remat- matter thing. Like I know we both say it sometimes mm-hmm. and I think that they're going to matter less and less and less because I think we're going to see so many wide receivers that just with the yeah. rule changes, you can't like it's, you can't like match up with a wide receiver. Like you used to be able to, they're going to catch it more. There's going to be more pass interferences. I know we don't get those in, fantasy but there's going to be more touchdowns there's going to be more wide receivers that are getting action in a game and i think there's going to be more like wide receiver two type and i know there's only 12 like technically but i think those points are going to be closer and closer together and you're going to have your stud like three to four guys like cooper cup jamar chase justin jefferson you know there's more in that group but you're going to have some of those studs that are the clear front runners. And I think you're going to have more and more wide receivers that just don't matter because there's so freaking many of them. Right. Yeah. I think so too. I think, you know, it, it, that's, that's been kind of the formula for a very long time in fantasy football. Usually there's, you know, there's, there's one or two wide receivers who really make a difference. There's really a, you know, there's a pretty big difference on a per game basis between you know what they do and what the rest of the wide receivers do but then there's just this this huge mass of of players and to your point it's only getting bigger <laughs> you know we we added how many wide receivers in this rookie class like that's all this class really was mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bunch of wide receivers we got a bunch of them some of them we didn't even know that we had romeo dubs and and george pickens like those are guys that like we weren't even expecting anything from them and all of a mm-hmm. sudden they're they're part of this pot too of of wide receivers who are going to be startable going to be usable and they're all going to do about the same thing you know they're yep. going to give you they're going to give you wide receiver one weeks roughly half the season and they're going to let you down the other half that's just that's what wide receivers do that's what they've always done and that's what they'll continue to do you'll you can take some shots you can try and find this year's cooper cup and you should i think it's a worthwhile exercise but you know the odds of getting that right are not great and you know is if you don't find that you're honestly going to be just fine with whoever you have they're going to do the exact same thing as everybody else yep you know whereas the running backs especially you know whoever whoever stays healthy whoever gets in the end zone you know 15 20 times whatever it is you know those are those guys are going to be not only are they going to outscore every other running back by a lot they're going to outscore every wide receiver by a lot they're probably going to outscore most of the quarterbacks yeah which is crazy to say yeah Uh, One way to look at it, too, if you're curious about your league scoring and how this all shakes out is just go to your league, put in the flex spot, running back, wide receivers, and tight ends, and then just do weekly average and look at the top 20 and count how many are running backs and how many are wide receivers. And I almost guarantee you 
that there's going to be 60% running backs and then some tight ends and wide receivers mixed in or more of the running backs. And that that's something I do sometimes. Like a lot of people want to know scoring specifics, but I'll just go in kind of like see what positions are scoring the points. And then after I see who's scoring the points, I'll go to see why, whether it's points per carry points per reception, etc. But just go yeah. in and look at that weekly average, and I I promise you, there's more running backs in the top twenty than wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Most seasons, that's mm-hmm. going to be the case. Yeah, yep. even and last year with all the wide receivers. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's probably true. I didn't even think about that. John, we've got <clears throat> yeah, through one player on your list. Oh yeah, who do we got? No, we got through one. Oh yeah, and we didn't Isaiah actually Pacheco. finish. <laughs> we didn't actually. Like, no, we're not done either. with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we talked about a worst case scenario. <laughs> What's the most likely scenario though for Isaiah Pacheco? Well, and that's what I was saying. I think it's like that about nine hundred all-purpose yards. Like, yeah, that's yeah. that's what I think the most likely realm of outcomes is for him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. What I would say is I think the most likely scenario is at least some of that is going to be predictable. That's that's the thing. Like, and that's what you need. Yeah, exactly. I think at some point, I mean, first of all, like it's it's never a bad bet <laughs> to 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 bet on the lead running back in any offense getting hurt. Like it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just Mm -hmm. such a likelihood considering their job description, you know? Yep. So, you know, the, the most likely scenario is Clyde Edwards Alaire misses some time. That's what running backs do. It's not anything against him. It's not, it's not meant to say that he's not durable or anything like that. It's just, it's a hard job that ends up, Mm -hmm. you know, players miss time because of uh the nature of their work um the the, uh the other possibility though is i do think that there is a scenario where isaiah pacheco ends up taking away you know lead back duties from clyde edwards alaire i don't think he completely pushes him out a healthy clyde edwards alaire is still going to be involved but i do think that there's a a that there's a scenario, and I would say it's it's fairly likely at some point in the season that Isaiah Pacheco goes from being 1B to 1A. Uh, it could, man. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I mean, by by week 8, is that what you're thinking? Like week 10? I would say, yeah. Uh, that's about I mean, when you want to see it with, if they haven't done it yet, that's about when you want to see it with rookie running backs, probably. Like, that's about when you started to see, like, Javante start to show up a little bit last year. Like, yeah. while Melvin was on the field, that's when you want to kind of start to see your rookie running backs getting carved in a little bit more. If you think they're going to have future success and, like, the end of season, if they haven't by then, like, I start to get a little nervous. Yeah, I agree. What about? Let's see. Who do we? Who do you, you are definitely a little higher on Pacheco than I am. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm higher than most. But I've seen you talking about him too. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I just think uh, here, here's the biggest thing, and it's not even Pacheco necessarily. I mean, it, it was going to be any running back who comes along with any amount of draft capital, any amount of pedigree, who is, you know, talented enough and explosive enough to get on the field was going to push because Clyde Edwards Alaire to me it's it's it, it it's not even that he's that good it's just kind of that he's been the best they have and also you know has that first round draft capital but I kind of think that first round draft capital for a running back is a little bit of a it's it's a little bit of a red flag you know after a while, you start to say, you know what, we, we invested pretty heavily in you, and it, you're not really returning this. Where if they had drafted him in the second or third round, I don't, I don't think they would be quite as open to the idea of replacing him, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, because they don't feel as burnt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could see that a little bit. Yeah. So that's I that's part of it. I I I just imagine that they're kind of open to the idea of uh replacing him. So, and and Pacheco is really kind of the first one to come along who seems to have, you know, enough talent and enough explosion to actually, you know, make a maybe push him aside. Yeah. Yeah, make a competition out of this. So. Dude, I would love to see it. That that would be yeah. fun to talk about on Rookie Fever all year. I mean, honestly, it would be, especially <laughs> with, I mean, anybody that's listened to that show knows, like, the Clyde Edwards Alaire and how I feel. We'll just say that. But, yeah, that that I definitely want rookie <laughs> success. Yeah. <laughs> the more the merrier, too, right? Like, it's sure. easy. It's something we mentioned on a Rookie Fever recently. Like, it's you want like more fantasy assets. Like sometimes sure. If you're somebody you're really down on in the hit, it feels a little bit weird because you're wrong about it. But in the end, like we want as many fantasy assets as we can. It gives us more to talk about. It gives us more players for our teams. It's, it's just a little more fun, but they're not all going to shine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, I think that we're, we're especially, thirsty for this right now too just because you know kind of like we were talking about with the the kind of the perception overall of both wide receivers and running backs after the way they all performed in 2021 we're desperately looking for some running backs to come in here and take over for these older guys so that we can stop drafting Christian McCaffrey stop drafting Derrick Henry and especially in dynasty leagues, my God, like we're ready to be done with these guys. But mm-hmm. who who do you pivot to? We yeah. don't have we've got we don't have a whole lot of young running backs yet. Well, and how far do you let those guys go when you know, like, if somebody does take Derrick Henry, it's just like, oh man, that still <laughs> kind of hurts because I know they're putting those points right into their lineup. Yeah, but I didn't want to take him quite yet. Still, you know, I I just passed him, but ouch. Yeah, so. I know. Plus, like, if you, and then if you spend a minute on Twitter, I mean, you're going to find somebody shitting on basically every running back. Yep. 
you know? And so it's like, I I get it. Nick Chubb isn't perfect, but like, who's better? Who's, who's in a better situation? Who's, uh, you know, has less usage and is younger and, you know, can stabilize my running back group for another year or two until, you know, we get some, we get some fresh faces in here who can take over and, and, you know, become those, those studs that we've, kind of been missing for the most part for the last few years like yeah i get it he's he's not perfect but like what am i supposed to do like i have to have mm-hmm. running backs <laughs> like, and i think they wanted to sean watson to there so bad too yeah and he'll be there but not not soon but i think they wanted watson there it, that makes every player on the browns sound way more appealing yeah but people had a problem with chubb even when it looked like the it was going to be a minimal suspension, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's it's weird. People just have a problem with every running back, and and I mean, I have a problem with running backs in general, but like at some point, you've got to find some that you're okay with, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and it can't just be Christian McCaffrey forever. Let's no. talk about Christian McCaffrey. That's someone I want to stick with. Boy. <laughs> Like, what's his best case scenario this year? His best case is he he stays healthy, he continues to be a PPR machine, and and kill it out of the backfield. You know, yeah, a thousand and a thousand, right? That's what we dream about. Like, so seventeen games is that to you? Is that within his range of outcomes? Is that within his range? I don't think so. Yeah, I have legitimate like concerns about Christian McCaffrey versus somebody like Saquon Barkley, who we've talked about already. But yeah, those soft tissues issues that just happen all like, over his damn body, man. Yeah, it's not just like a high ankle sprain where you see the player roll over on Barkley's foot. You know, like it's just like when did the injury even happen? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't know. Like it. It did though, and now he's out like for five more weeks, and then it's actually seven. And um, it reminds me of like the end of Arian Foster a little bit when you were just counting on him, but then all of a sudden it was just like injury, injury, injury. And you didn't have that like NFL draft capital into Arian Foster, but I mean, he was killing it. And then it, and everybody's just kind of like, well, but it's Arian Foster. It's Arian Foster. And you're like, yeah, I know, but something's not quite right if he keeps getting hurt this much, like this easily. And I don't want to say easily with all these guys put their bodies through it all, but easily compared to other athletes on the field that are going through the same training that they are, it just seems like Christian McCaffrey's injuries came out of nowhere. You'd think he was back and then he hurt himself in training again. And yeah, they're just not the kind of injuries you want. You're, you don't want him to have injuries. I, I know, but they're just the injuries that happen with no contact. And yeah. that's what I, I don't like to see from my players when it's that consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Two and years again, in a row, man. Yep. Major, major. I think he's I, he's missed twenty three games out of a possible what thirty? Would it be thirty three? Thirty three now, yeah. Yeah, he's missed twenty three of those, 
and it's not it, it wasn't all just one injury it i mean he's it's been you know five injuries mm-hmm. uh in the last his last eight games essentially like that's <laughs> it's it yeah so that that was part of why i wanted to bring him up is to say like is it even within the range of outcomes for him to play the entire season probably and, not and i so if the answer is no then what are we like what can we reasonably project for him considering that you know you're going into it knowing that you're not getting this guy for the full season you know and the other problem is that also begs the question you know when are we going to have him and when are we not going to have him i mean the most likely scenario is there's definitely a possibility that he misses just a few games in in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. I think that is with his within his range of outcomes. Most likely scenario though is whenever you lose him, you lose him for the rest of the season. Right. You know? Or you get him back another game and you the nice thing about him obviously is you always know you can start him or when you can start him. If he's starting, you start him. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's kind of been the the rule with Christian McCaffrey is if he's starting, he's going to have at least that good game, but it might be it. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be in, you know, week 12 <laughs> when, when you don't necessarily need it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'll get to the fantasy playoffs week 14, week 15, whatever. And yeah, you know, Christian McCaffrey is your gateway to Barkley in redraft or dynasty. Yeah. Like if you have Christian McCaffrey, you in, in a lot of people's eyes, you downgrade to Barkley and you can probably get a little plus on top of it. If not, I'd be happy doing it straight up. I seriously would. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gladly. Yeah, man. I'm to a point. I, I I'm to a point where I'll trade Christian McCaffrey for one 2023 first. Like I'm just, I, I just, I have no interest in, uh, you know, finding out like what's the best case scenario. I, to me, it's, it's all about the most likely scenario here. Most likely scenario is you're not going to get him when you need him. You're not going to get him for the full season. You're probably not even going to get him for, you know, more than like three quarters of the season. Yeah. And even that's pretty ambitious. That's even that's how I'm starting to feel about J.K. Dobbins a little bit, because yeah. he's done nothing. I really like him. A lot. I want to like him a lot. I have I have a decent amount of J.K. Dobbins. I think the ceiling is through the roof on a healthy J.K. Dobbins, but now it already sounds like he's going to miss time at the beginning of the season. It's probably going to be Mike Davis there, and yeah. I'm going into my third year with J.K. <laughs> Dobbins not able to help me. I have a 2023 first, no BS, John, is sitting on the table right now. All I have to do is hit accept to send them my J.K. Dobbins. And I'm kind of like, ah, oh, do I want to do it? But now, then you talk about McCaffrey, and I'm like, yeah, dude, same thing. Like, you should probably just do it yeah. and get out a little bit. And with that 2023 first, I should probably use it for a quarterback or something. But, man, I'm starting to get a little worried about Dobbins, too. Yeah. I mean, and this is coming from somebody who's not at all done with Dobbins. I would still do that. I, 
if if I his value you. right now is a 2023 first, knowing what a 2023 first kind of represents, which is, you know, a draft pick at full value as if we know where it's going to be. That's that's the going rate for 2023s right now. And, you know, so you like you have to move those up. Like if you were to rank 2023 firsts, if you were going out doing a ranking on values mm-hmm. and you ranked 2023 first round picks, I mean, I think you've got to put them in like the like the second or third round yeah. of a startup. You know, that's, yeah. that's how valuable those freaking things are. Yep. And if if people are willing to pay that for J.K. Dobbins, that means they're not they're not factoring in the issues with him with uh, with you know coming off of that major injury. They're not factoring in mm-hmm. the fact that he's going to lose value this year. He's just he just will. So mm-hmm. I sent an offer as well to him. I didn't reject his offer because I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like I said, I'm. You'll pro- I'll probably accept it after talking to you. Yeah. But I sent out a counter to try to get Tua for Dobbins. And if, and I think I gave a pick on top of Dobbins to try to get Tua. I'd be all right with that, too. But I don't yeah. know how he'll feel about going to Dobbins. You know what I mean at that yeah. point. Yeah. <clears throat> but if Tua doesn't work, yeah. I mean, that that you know that the first is there. So. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Like I, I never have a problem with making that move, man. We're talking, we're all over the place on this episode. We always are, though. Every time we get together, so whatever. We're leaning into it. Uh, I, I always recommend that type of move. Like people will ask me, like, um, do you think I should make this counter? Do you think this is too much? And I'm like, yes, and yes. <laughs> I think it's probably too much. I don't think you're going to get it done. But there's absolutely no reason not to count right that, yeah know? yeah and, and I, just I think see. even as a rule of thumb you as the listener whoever's hearing this should counter 50 percent of trades offered to you like it doesn't matter who the person is but every now and then just be like i've got to counter some it just like slowly builds better trade partners it lets you know that you're trying it it will it'll create more trades than you, you think, even if you're kind of like, don't want to do it just every now and then send a counter, even if it's not your thing, 50% of trades, try to send a counter. Try. Yeah. What about those ones that they call quote unquote smash accept? <laughs> I've tried to, I've tried to think of a better thing to say when people come to me Success. with this, like, yeah, just like a slam dunk trade. I'm the one that like, you're like, what the hell happened? Like, I have to Google all of these players to see, like, if anybody died. Like, why would they send me this? Like, what just happened? Like, I'm absolutely ready to do this. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, I had a good example of this the other day, and I can't remember what it was. It was just like, man, somebody thought that that was a, like you got that offer you didn't make that offer because like if you made that offer i mean let's wait and see if they actually accept it <laughs> but send out if some you send some offer, pacheco away and see what you get you might feel like that john yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true especially after i talk him up maybe i'll uh start getting some big offers um but yeah, I'm I'm trying to trying to find a better way to say smash accept because I hate that. Uh, but 
Um, um, with those ones, I don't know if I, I, I never counter, but I always feel like I probably should have, you know, like afterwards. I like, <laughs> I should not mention names. Peter Howard sends me trades in the DLF uh, podcast league that are just all over the place. Like sometimes I'm just like, dude, that's not close and you know it. <laughs> sometimes it's like, oh, you're just, you're just messing with me. Like you're trying to send me Aaron Rodgers because you know, I love Aaron Rodgers, but you're trying to like, I'm fine at quarterback. You're trying to get, uh, you know, my one wide receiver <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like he did, he offered, uh, Rodgers for Jalen Waddle at one point. And I was like, I mean, if we were in a startup and I didn't have all my quarterbacks already, sure. But like in uh you know Or if you're super deep at wide receiver and you really need a quarterback, like sure. Right. Yeah. Like the value is good. There's just I don't need to make that move. I need a wide receiver. He's the only one I have. (laughs) So you know, uh, like I, I, I get offers like that sometimes, but then out of nowhere, he'll send me one that I'm just like, I mean, I have to accept this before he catches on that this is really Before he good cancels it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think that he's always, he's happy with it too. It just kind of illustrates the difference in our player values sometimes, but yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm like, man, maybe I should have countered that though just to kind of keep those those trade relations in place a little bit you know yeah keep it healthy and strong and make him uh, you know, whoever it is doesn't have to be be peter howard i don't i don't think mm-hmm. i don't think psychologically i don't think it too, works like the same way with you'll peter come howard. to an end yeah exactly yeah like they'll you know you you want them to keep sending you that type of trade, so mm-hmm. you know, make them feel like they're doing something mutually beneficial, even if you don't necessarily think that it is. You know, yeah. Um, and again, that that one's not speci- that that's not a Peter Howard thing. That's just kind of. It's nice to have a trade partner, though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Peter Howard and I have made a lot of trades. And uh, like I said, I think that for him and I, it really just comes down to we value most players very differently. So <laughs> so we'll never have an issue. But in Sometimes other leagues, nice. I've got those guys, you know. I've got those people who, like, they send me good trades now, but if I keep just raking them over the coals, <laughs> then eventually they're going to stop. Yeah, an accepted trade is the best disagreement you can have yep yeah um christian mccaffrey what what did we miss there what do you what do you think is the best case scenario for christian mccaffrey i think like kind of like you mentioned a little bit i think that he's going to be in and out of games and there's going to be times when we can't start him because he's not playing. I think we're usually going to know when that is, which is the only bright side to a player that you feel like you know is going to be injured. But yeah, I think if he's out there, they're going to use him and utilize him because I think they even know that. 
But I don't see a downgrade or anything with Baker Mayfield throwing the ball. I think he'll be, I think Christian McCaffrey will be McCaffrey when he's on the field. And I don't think that they'll really try to give him much less work, maybe a little bit, but yeah, he's a weekly RB one weekly. Yeah. 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 As long as he's healthy, Mm -hmm. that's fair. It's definitely fair. Yeah, Mayfield might be the best quarterback that they've had there. Yeah. Since like Cam, Cam. was still Cam. Yep. So, you know, they they had a few years there where Cam was just kind of a shell of himself. So mm-hmm. it's been a while. Um Gabriel Davis is really the guy that inspired <laughs> this entire episode. Uh, that is one of the ongoing debates on Twitter. He's what's and... kept Twitter awake this summer. Yes, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all stop and appreciate Gabriel Davis for giving us something to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just something like Gabriel Davis is now an official hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People put that on their resume. <laughs> And I Gabriel Davis. <laughs> like what? Who's Gabriel Davis? <laughs> They're like exactly. <laughs> this is an interesting uh, one, man. Yeah. And it, so I was looking at ADP first. I looked at our our Dynasty Superflex ADP at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Saw Gabriel Davis at wide receiver forty. And was like, wait, why the hell do we even care? <laughs> why do we care about the wide receiver 40? Mm-hmm. Like, what is what his range does not matter at that point. Yeah. I looked at, uh, then I looked at redraft ADP at uh, Fantasy Pros where he's wide receiver 26. And I was like, okay, now we've got a little bit of a, a little just, bit of just outside of wide receiver two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ahead of, and 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 here's the thing. I mean, here are the guys that he's ahead of, and I mean, tell me which one is not at all flawed. But Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Jerry Judy, Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Rashad Bateman. That's redraft. Yeah, I'd take all those guys over Gabriel Davis. I I don't even like them all a ton, but I'd take all those guys over Gabriel Davis. Yeah, I I probably Even if by a would, little bit. I probably would too, but like I could make the argument against mm-hmm. any one of those guys. You know, I like. Yeah. And I mean, it gets a little easier from there once you get to wide receiver thirty-five. Hunter Renfro, Devonta Smith. I'll take Hunter Renfro and PPR over Gabe Davis. That, yeah, for sure. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, PPR machine. Yeah. He's Cooper Cup light. I just hate those guys. Like the thing with Cooper Cup was he was getting in the end zone, you know? Mm-hmm. That's that's what led to that monster year. Got to Coop- score touchdowns. Renfro was a wide receiver one. Yeah. Yep. And it was mainly off of PPR, right? It was mainly mm-hmm. off the receptions in the yards. Yep. And it just, Yeah. That not as much volume available anymore now that you got a real alpha there. So Yeah, I agree I with know. that. But I think he'll still look to Renfro and and I think he'll be more open now. Yeah. 
But yeah, I like Renfro. Mm. I'll take Renfro over Gabriel Davis. Yeah. Man, way down here, wide receiver 42 is another guy that you're going to take over Gabe Davis. Oh, Drake no. London. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, that's a slam dunk, right? Absolutely. These, this 80 is that crazy? a little strange. I yeah. think Drake London could be a stud year one. Yeah. Got Robert Woods at 40, Drake London at 42. I want Drake London of that group. Yeah. I got too much rookie fever, dude. <laughs> but yeah, give me Especially that. Especially for Drake London. I know that. I yeah. know that much. Robert Woods, though, could be an absolute value in any format. Yeah. I, maybe I not said a wide value. receiver. I said 40. value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if wide receiver 40 is necessarily a value for him, though. Like, if he's a wide receiver three or better, he could be the wide receiver one in that offense. Yeah. You think he's going to fall behind Kyle Phillips? No, definitely not. Yeah, I think he's easy, <laughs> he's easily the wide receiver one. That was my way of throwing just, some trail on Burke's shade. Nice. <laughs> Much deserved. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's. Like wide receiver one in Tennessee is kind of a is a very different thing than, but you know, yeah, wide receiver two in Buffalo, for instance, yeah, or so, in Bengals, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hear you there. That's that's an interesting point because like you could be, like you could have comparable numbers to Tyler Boyd and be the wide receiver one in Tennessee and get like eight hundred yards off seventy receptions. Right. You know, yeah. not not exactly, but you know what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Man, and I love Robert Woods, but that just, I don't know. That's, no, that's an interesting point. Yeah. It, yeah, it like it in the right spot, I'll definitely go Robert Woods. But, I mean, you're kind of looking at, again, Drake London is still on the board at that point. Chris Olave is still on the board. Kadarius Toney is still on the board. Garrett Wilson Jacoby Myers, DJ Chark, like these George Pickens, this isn't real updated ADP, obviously. Uh, Romeo Dubs, Sky Moore, like those guys are all below Robert Woods. And I mean, there's a roster build where I could see taking Robert Woods there, but for the most part, I feel like all those guys have him beat definitely at the ceiling if not at the floor too, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I think you bring up a good point. Yeah. It's easy to say why he's the wide receiver one on the team. Yeah. But yeah, there's more to it. Yeah. Anyways, so how Gabe, many Gabe targets Davis. for Gabriel Davis though? Like, where do you see that? Like, yeah. Uh, Cause if you, it's almost like, I just want to be a smart ass and be like, if you want the best <laughs> or the worst, just go to Twitter. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. what's really going to happen yeah i shouldn't have even put best worst case scenario for him because we're all well aware this yeah <laughs> he's, he's either complete trash or he's a wide receiver one yeah he's <laughs> either water boy or randy moss yeah <laughs> yeah but he's that, probably more likely around like a, a wide receiver two to wide receiver three like even the wide yeah. receiver 
30 when you hear like that area or wide receiver 40. I think he could move up to wide receiver 36 in production. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be that guy with Stefan Diggs. Like you, for a best case scenario, you want Stefan Diggs gone. You want you you want an injury to Diggs, and I don't want that. No, yeah, Diggs is one of my two. Like I've I've got I I worked out some uh, some tiered rankings for twenty twenty two, and I've got two players at every position that I think are just like league winners this year. It's just kind of my guess at who's Cooper Cup this year, and I kind of I think that Stephon Diggs is one of those two guys. Tim and Jefferson. I love so, it. Like the perfect lineup for me includes those two. And then Saquon and Swift. Yeah. But after Diggs, is Gabriel Davis the second look? Or is it going to be Dawson Knox or the slot, Isaiah McKenzie, foreseeably? Mm-hmm. Like, And I'm not saying this from a talent perspective, but I'm saying from the offense and how it's going to run and how Josh Allen plays the game is – Gabriel Davis, even the second look. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that's the, so this is a whole reason for this exercise to me is like, it's, it's easy to say, like, to just kind of compartmentalize one game in your mind and just say, you know, they're, they're, you know, in this, in this one game that I'm kind of watching in the theater of my mind, Isaiah McKenzie is just going nuts from the slot. They're getting him the ball out in space and he's, picking up chunk yardage you know the running game is working with uh with singletary and maybe cook um you know dawson knox is cleaning up all the touchdowns and there's just nothing there for gabriel davis and that's going to happen sometimes but when we talk about the most likely scenario what i think that we need to talk about is what does this look like on a weekly basis yeah when are you starting him yeah and I mean, like it's it's fair to say that that's going to be hard to navigate with Gabriel Davis. Is it's it, you know to at least to predict that it's going to be it's going to be hard to know, you know, what are the spots to start him. But I do think that we look back on it at the end of the season and say, man, there were a good, you know, seven eight games where you wanted him in your lineup. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how how valuable is that necessarily, but that's what we do. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we we look back on the we we do a lot of hindsight <laughs> when it comes to fantasy analysis, and I'm just proposing that we start with that now, like rather than saying just kind of making a blanket statement about what Gabriel Davis is going to be, you know, every single week. Like, let's just acknowledge that there's a mm-hmm. there's going to be a range of outcomes every single week, and he's going to be all over that that range throughout the course of the season. If you're going up against me week one, and you see that Gabriel Davis is my wide receiver two, are you scared? Um, of my wide receiver two, like, are you worried about me? <laughs> or are you kind of like holy shit he's starting Gabriel Davis? It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair question. I mean, I I it's still a wide receiver. It depends on a lot of things for me. Sure. So, um but I think, you know, if it, if if 
if you're not just asking me specifically, if you're just kind of if you were to just go poll a bunch of fantasy players, I think that most people you, would probably say no. <laughs> but, I, I think that that's how I would feel even. And, I, and wide receiver yeah. isn't even my favorite position, but I feel like most of my teams are set up to have three wide receivers that I'm happy to start over Gabriel Davis. Week one. Yeah. Week one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of it is, like, I don't, I'm not even, I'm not familiar with matchups yet or anything. I have no Same. idea who's playing. Same. Who. So, that, like, that, I think that that should factor into it. Um, I mean, it's also going to depend on the rest of their lineup. It's going to depend on my lineup a little bit. Like, you know, if if I'm, if it, if I've got Saquon and Swift, <laughs> First of all, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good, obviously. But what I would say is, you know, I probably have a higher projected scoring total for the week than you do. And then I see Gabriel Davis and I'm like, oh, crap. Like, there's, you know, this, like, that's how you catch up when you're an underdog. That's how you close that gap is <laughs> with guys like that. Could be. You know, three touchdown upside. Like that's he'd be tough for me to start week one. Yeah, but I I do know where I knew I do know where you're going with that. Like even if you say like hypothetically you see Gabriel Davis with eight points projected that week and he's probably going to get twelve to twenty, mm -hmm. not eight. Right. Yeah, like if it feels like a good kind of a, a good mix of players to have somebody like a Gabriel Davis when you've got a starter like, um, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown mm -hmm. is a good one that comes to mind. Like, nice high floor most of the time, right? Um, at least he should have a high floor. I think that you and I are kind of in agreement on that. He's yeah, gonna, I like Amon, he's, yep. He's another PPR monster. Absolutely, yeah. I like him a Target lot in PPR. Hog. Which, I mean, honestly, we keep saying PPR, but we play a lot of PPR anyway. But, yeah, I like them on. Yeah. Yeah. And and then especially if you're getting points per target at all. Like, you know, he, he just gives you this nice high floor. But, like, if you go into a matchup against somebody who just happened to, you know, to hit the lottery and they've got, you know, whoever it is that ends up being that, you know, those those unstoppable – league winner type guys mm -hmm. you know those unfair advantage type guys whoever that ends up being if they've got you know two or three of those like last year they had jonathan taylor and cooper cup on the same team you're not feeling so great about him on raw going into that matchup i mean you're not going to feel sure great about gabriel davis yeah, either yeah. but you're going to feel like gabriel davis at least at least gives me a shot here gives mm -hmm. me a fighting chance you know yeah, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. So I I and I guess to me that's what the most likely scenario looks like for Gabriel Davis. He's that type of guy. And that's that's kind of the value in in having him on roster. It's it's not that he's a slam dunk every week starter. He definitely shouldn't be. <laughs> mm -hmm. But he's kind of that that Hail Mary type of play when you're the underdog. You know, when, yeah. you're, when you're chasing points. 
Um, man, I end up like just taking over all of these. And so, oh, I don't think so. I don't feel that way. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> it, it, it feels like I like I ask you what you think, and then I just end up taking it over with what I think. So, <laughs> so I thought we could talk about a guy real quick that uh, I know that you have strong feelings on, um, and I'm kind of curious about his entire range in your mind, and that's Jalen Waddle. Dude, I love Jalen Waddle. Yeah, and I know you know that. Like we recently made a trade. I, I like Waddle a lot. Um, yeah, man. So I think his range of outcomes. Like I think people are going to be really people that have been buying the dip. I think that they're going to be just fine. And you mentioned Stefan Diggs, and he's somebody kind of like I've started to want to compare him to a little bit mm-hmm. from a reception standpoint. Last year, Waddle's. Um, Receptions were really similar, but actually had less targets, had a better catch rate. What Waddle needs, and I think Tyreek is going to help this, is to get his his average um, yards per reception up from 9.8. Because that was like, I think, 84th in the NFL last year, 9.8 yards per reception. He needs to get that up to at least like 12 yards per reception and then to just have the same kind of volume after that, like the he needs those targets, the receptions, and then it, I think he gets us from like that wide receiver twelve to wide receiver seven or eight area. I think that Tyreek helps him. I think that he's going to open him up, and I think that Tua helps him a lot, man. Like I'm really excited about Tua last year. So last year. Waddle was unstartable 33, like 31% of games. It was five games and three of them were with Brissett. One of them was against Buffalo who was wide receiver, like enemy number one against wide receivers. And then another one was against the Titans. But I really like the other games, like he was also a wide receiver one thirty one percent of the time. And every game with Tua were the games where he really excelled and you could see Tua helping that offense. I believe like that Tua is everything we've heard from his wide receivers as far as accuracy goes. I think he is one of the more accurate what quarterbacks in the league. That doesn't mean he's Patrick Mahomes or anything like that. He doesn't have the arm. He's they're totally different players. But I think for Waddle's skill set, like man, I could talk about Waddle all day long. I'm really <laughs> excited. I think that he's he's not going to be Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, but he's going to be just behind them at a reduced price. I like it, um, <clears throat> man. I pretty much have no waddle left uh peter found a trade for us in the dlf league and then uh you offered Cortland sutton in some draft picks Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean you waddled the rate out (laughs) yeah i mean it was it was tough it was i felt like it was pretty close like they were 2024 picks so we're a ways off so they're not adding a whole lot to what was the one with peter howard uh, that is a good question. Let me see if I can find it. I think it was Brandon Ayuk and 
a draft pick. Okay. I like that. But I think it was a 2023, if I remember right. So, um, yeah, let me see if I can find that, though, because I, I, like, I think that that stuff is pretty good, uh, pretty good context. Um, oh, it was Hollywood Brown and Pat Fryermuth for Jalen Waddle. That was a totally different trade for IU. Oh, this is a totally different trade. <laughs> I don't you remember. You like Fryermuth a lot. You like Fryermuth like uh, Feverish Fenero. It's a freaking heavy tight end premium, too. I think it's it's either 175 or a full two. Oh, wow. In this league. So, yeah. In Hollywood. Yeah. So, tight end I think is I like pretty the Waddle side of that one. Still, yeah. I do. If it was Ayuk. I like Hollywood though, but man, I feel like Hollywood is somebody that I might try to get out of within the first six weeks before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Man, that's one of my favorite roster builds in that league. I've got, because you only have to start one wide receiver. So I only have five of them. That's still kind of a lot for me. Mm -hmm. And then. You start one running back, but I've got both Barkley and Swift, and then I still have another. It looks like like twelve more running backs, basically. Oh wow! So yeah. is that a trade addicts league? Uh, it's uh, so it's a DLF family podcast okay. family league, but it's basically trade addicts scoring and settings. Gotcha. So, yeah. Because sometimes that matters too. You're just like, oh, I only need like one wide receiver and then you know fill some flex spots and stuff but you can you don't have to like worry about starting three wide receivers yeah yeah but man i like waddle a lot i don't see hollywood as a wide receiver one but i think he's a like a weekly i think he has that weekly upside and i think he's a wide receiver too which is great like even some players you know like we need wide receiver twos and threes but Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one cuz I like Hollywood, but I freaking love Waddle. Yeah, I did too. Like that's why both of those trades were tough for me. I think Sutton gives me a better chance to make up the scoring. Although I'm not I'm I that so that's a 16 team super flex league that we have where uh, quarterbacks are impossible to come by. You somehow yep. got like three or four of them, and they're all good ones. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, is that in? That's in uh, goats for goats. Pros. Yeah, I've got like yeah. Herbert and Josh Allen and Mac Jones. Yeah, is my QB three and Gardner. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you'll have four starters. <laughs> it's maybe point. right. Yeah, I like Gardner. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I like that league, I drafted to win right away, and I almost did, and then kind of tore it down. And now I'm just down to a bunch of draft picks and like some younger players to build around. Nothing at running back, right? other than Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> Man, but that's the way to do it. And running that's backs are my building. favorite. But I mean, once you feel like your team is out of it the first thing you should try to move are your running backs. I mean, outside of other aging assets that are obvious, but 
your don't let your running backs waste time on your losing roster. Yep. Yep. Traded away Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon. Yep. All within like two Man, weeks. you you like those guys. Like you like I Mixon know. a lot. Like yeah, yeah. that it's sometimes it's tough to do, but you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah, the problem was I was never gonna be able to fix quarterback unless I just tore it down. Yep. And so now I'm up to Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, which is more exciting to me than most people, but mm-hmm. um and then a bunch of draft picks. <clears throat> and so I'll be able to take some shots in 2023. But the problem is I really kind of need to guide that thing to the bottom. <laughs> that strategy yeah. that most people hate, but I'm just kind of like, this is a year to do it, man. I think every now and then you find it. I have a team like that where yeah. I'm just like looking at it. And I'm like, man, there's no reason for me to really try too hard to win with this one. Like the, I, it, it's okay to have a team like that. It's just, six people in your league shouldn't feel like they have a team like that. Cause that's not true. <laughs> yeah. There's like Even one or two teams. Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. It I'm happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what's, what's the most likely scenario for Waddle, like on a given or like on a, on a, on a weekly basis, like, how how comfortable do you feel with him is just like a set it and forget it guy um super comfortable really and and i mean unless like you see a matchup where you just kind of know like maybe they are going up against buffalo and buffalo secondary is killing it like it was last year maybe you have a better option that week um my team builds <laughs> um i probably don't just because of how I built my wide receivers, some teams I might, but your team build, like whoever is listening, you might have better options, like to play some matchups here and there. But for me, like if two was the starter, I'm starting Jalen Waddle as long as he's healthy. Like there's that 31%, that's only five games. And then, I mean, he was a wide receiver one wide receiver two and wide receiver three, the rest of them. And that's all that's flex worthy. And I need him in my lineup. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am, man. I'm all in, John. I'm all in. I like it. I like it. I I mean, like I said, we're kind of the, the game is, you know, find some guys who are going to be, like, good enough. And there's so many of them that it really doesn't matter. But, like, guys who are good enough that you can put them in your lineup and there's at least a coin toss chance that they're going to give you, you know, a wide receiver one ish week. Yep. And you know, that's, that. that's most wide receivers, like half the season they're, they're right there for you. So like find those guys, but find the guys who also have the upside to be, you know, Cooper cup last year, be that unfair advantage. But so, yeah, what I, what I do like for Waddle is like it, it it feels like he's one of those guys who does have that upside like we know that it comes from kind of the middle rounds a lot of times cooper cup would what had an adp of like fifth or sixth round something like that like it's it's very unlikely that it's gonna be you know i 
probably should move Justin Jefferson down in my rankings a little. It's unlikely that it's going to be him. It's unlikely that it'll be Jamar Chase. It's very unlikely that Cooper Cup is ever going to do anything like that, like close to that ever again. But like just what we know is typically the guy who ends up being that unfair advantage comes kind of somewhere out of the, you know, that five, six round range, which I believe is probably Waddle territory. So, um, so I, I mean, that's kind of an argument for him is just kind of that he, he has that upside that is admittedly kind of hard to find a wide receiver. Yeah. So we should fire through the rest of these. Um, well, kind of. Do you, we could probably, and I don't know how you feel about this, but if we group like Jalen and Hurts, Jalen, Jalen and Hurts, Jalen Hurts <laughs> and Justin Fields kind of together. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Because yeah. one thing like I've started to change in like my team builds in Dynasty versus Redraft, and this fits right into like what we're talking about here, but like I don't care as much about the Konami code quarterbacks when I'm building my dynasty team. I want like the quarterbacks that know how to play the, yes. the, the game. <laughs> let's say, you know, for, for hype, like metaphors here, I'm not saying like these guys don't know how to play or they're not athletic or, but I want the guys that are going to play the game and stay a little healthier in my dynasties. Yep. Now in my redraft leagues, I am all about guys like Justin <laughs> Fields and Jalen Hurts and give me that Konami code and the points that they can get you on the ground. I just don't want to fall too in love with it on my dynasty builds anymore. Yeah. It feels like that's where my quarterbacks end up expiring quicker in our Superflex dynasty leagues. Yeah, that's fair. So in a redraft or in you know year one of dynasty, though, like... So Justin Fields feels feels a little bit safer to me. Um, I don't, you know, they don't have a, a credible threat behind him. Uh, it seems like they kind of, they recognize the situation that they're putting him in. Mm -hmm. You know, it should make it easier as well. So There's no weapons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and they have to know that. Not a very good offensive line either. They have to know mm -hmm. that. They have to know. Like, you're not getting an inaccurate representation of what Justin Fields is going to be until you put an offense around him and then see, you know? Yeah. So as long as they kind of acknowledge that uh, this is, you know, this this is still just Justin Jefferson development, and this is still just kind of us – um, rebuilding this entire roster around Justin, or not Justin Jefferson, Justin Fields. Um, this is us rebuilding this offense around Justin Fields, mm -hmm. um, and not just the offense, the whole roster. Uh, this isn't this this isn't put up or shut up time for Justin Fields. As long as they acknowledge that, which isn't always a given with NFL front offices, but uh, I I would think that. Uh, that this new regime should be on board with this idea. You know, it's, it, I, I, I think that Justin Fields should have some job security and I don't necessarily feel the same way about Jalen hurts, even for one year. 
I agree with that, actually. I'll, I'll give uh, Fields more job security than Jalen Hurts as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's that's kind of the question for Jalen Hurts is what's the most likely scenario? Does he start all year? Does he get benched at some point for Gardner Minshew? Because to me, so, and I actually, uh, one of our mutual friends uh, asked me about my ranking of Jalen Hurts because I've got him at quarterback 15 for this, just for the season. Mm -hmm. Quarterback 15. And like, I, and I was kind of trying to, to explain, you know, that's me hedging a little bit based on the idea that he could lose his job. But it feels like I need to take a little bit more of a stand on that and say, Either I don't think he's going to lose his job at any point, and so let's move him up, or I think he is going to lose his job at some point, so let's move him down because everybody, you know, the next handful of quarterbacks below him are all going to be secure in their jobs. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I would rather have – this is this – is, this is the stuff where they start going after your <laughs> testosterone. Camp. But, like, like oh God, I would rather have the guy who I know is going to be a, a, a in every week starter for you know for the entire season than the guy who's running around scoring thirty points a game, but then gets benched halfway through the season. You know, yeah, yeah, or or risks a little bit more injury like we mentioned about the running backs at top of the show they are more risk adverse if they're running the ball more as well and they can't throw as good and with Gardner there I mean man I would love to see Gardner get another chance to start in the NFL I know some yeah. people think that that is ludicrous but I don't think the best arm on the team is the starting quarterback today yeah yeah, I I agree with that. And I think that Gardner Minshew is the type of player that head coaches are going to just generally feel more comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know, like, and he's got the moxie to do it too. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But like a, you know, a, a an accurate passer, um, a pass first type of quarterback with mobility like that's really kind of what you want, you know. It, 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 people are, it, people are, I think, a little too harsh on Jalen Hurts as far as his passing abilities. But I mean, the the fact that it's kind of a run first, like that's not super sustainable. And it also, you know, at some point the passing game has to be there for you. Yeah. Like late in the game, if you're down by a touchdown and you need to drive down. I mean, you're going to have a hard time running the two-minute drill with just, you know, Jalen Hurts left, Jalen Hurts right, all the way down the damn field. You're going to run out of time. You got to throw it and pick up some chunk yards, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think that that's the type of thing. Like, if they're losing games, I think it's going to be pretty easy for Nick Sirianni to blame that on Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And see, now, that is my problem with Devonta Smith. Okay. Is, and, uh, and I'll give you his best case, his worst case, and his most likely outcome. 
and it's all the same. And it's going to be really similar to last year because with AJ Brown there, it's capped. Like his his worst case is about 900 yards. His best case is about 900 yards, and his most likely is about 900 yards. I think that AJ Brown's going to be the wide receiver one. Like you did not want to see a wide receiver like AJ Brown go to to play with Devonta Smith. You didn't want that. You wanted like a rookie, a crummy rookie drafted so that you knew Devonta Smith was going to be the wide receiver one. But with that offense and like you just mentioned, it's probably good for 34 to 36 through the air with AJ Brown getting the bulk of that and then Goddard I think that Devonta Smith, to be clear, is is just fine. He's a fine wide receiver. He's a wide receiver 26 to wide receiver 30, and that's going to help your fantasy teams. But I don't think that he's the next wide receiver one or even even Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if Gardner came in and that, that offense changed just a little bit, and they were slinging it more. I might, I might change my stance, but with Hertz and AJ Brown, that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's all the same. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's nearly enough targets to go around. It and it it kind of affects everybody in that offense a little bit. I mean, the the you know the running back group is like these are all guys who are better catching the ball out of the backfield than running between the tackles. Like mm-hmm. they built that entire depth chart that way. Yeah. You know, it, you've got Dallas Goddard there. You, like, there's just even Miles the, Sanders if he's healthy. Like, he is right. his at his best when he is in open space. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Every bit of this offense is built to be pass heavy, and then you get a quarterback who doesn't really want to throw. Yeah. Like, I, it, yeah. It's it's it makes things very difficult for fantasy purposes. Uh, I guess, so, uh, I guess, I, I think it kind of starts with Hurts, though. Like, again, what's what's kind of the most likely scenario? Does he play the entire, does he start the entire season? Or should we count on the fact that he's either going to get hurt or just get benched because of ineffectiveness? Man, I mean, those are two big things, like, because either could happen. Like, mm-hmm. I think that there is a high percentage chance that he gets benched at least a game or two just to kind of try to put him in place and to see what Gardner has put him in in, yeah. in his place is probably the wrong idea. It's probably not even what the coaches will be thinking there, but I think that they might see what Gardner has because he's shown NFL success. He's gotten some wins in the NFL with a crummy team. I think it's fair to say that when he was playing for the Jags, the team wasn't set up as good as Philly is today. Yeah. So here's the story, though, that I can tell you then. If we're saying that the most <laughs> likely scenario is that Jalen Hurts does get benched in favor of Gardner Minshew at some point in the season, Gardner Minshew hasn't had a, ha, probably hasn't had very many reps. It's just my guess between OTAs, training camp, and, you know, just in-season practice, he's going to get very, very few reps with A.J. Brown. He's, he's oh, had so a, now Devonta Smith. Devonta That's Smith, to saying. me, gets gets multiple bumps, like two-dimensional bump 
uh, if Gardner Minshew comes in. I, I don't mean, hate more, that. There's yeah. more familiarity there. And again, I mean, you're, you, there's just more volume to go around all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. More more passes in the air. <laughs> so So I think everybody gets a bump. Everybody in the passing game gets a bump from Gardner coming in. But the fact that there's already a little bit of familiarity between Gardner and Devonta Smith mm-hmm. and, and you, you couple all of that with the most, again, the most likely scenario being if this happens, this happens late in the season, Devonta Smith becomes a league winner at that point. Yeah. You know, the what are you paying is, to get Gardner? Yeah. That's, I mean, I think I would be willing to give, I don't think that you should have to give a 2023 second for him. I like they're they're starting quarterbacks going for a 2023 second, right? Yeah. Now. So I don't think you should have to. If I knew for a fact, like if I was a strong contender kind of in mid-season and it looked like I'm going to be able to guide this thing to a championship or close to it, then I'd be willing to give my second to get him i just don't think that you have to at any point yeah you probably shouldn't have to but nobody wants a third yeah exactly that's the tough part about that i just stick with what i already have so yeah if you have jalen hurts why aren't you going to try to get gardner though right yeah that's that was the thing like that was that was kind of what i was saying about my you know, where I have Jalen Hurts ranked uh, for 2022. It's, you know, it, it, it really is kind of based on um, the fact that he's, he's probably, if he's not the most vulnerable starter in the NFL, I, I wouldn't say the most because I, whoever, Geno Smith, probably pretty vulnerable. Daniel Jones, very vulnerable. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts is right there with those guys. Mm-hmm. I think you should change it so Hurts is, like, QB 20, and then right behind him is Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you head. Right ahead of Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how that's how you make the people at DLF happy. <laughs> yeah. Hogue, what the hell is this? I know. I know. Yeah, as if I don't have enough run-ins over my rankings. <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers keeps me busy enough. <laughs> so I need to add Gardner Minshew. <laughs> you wonder but, why Peter Howard sent you that trade. Yeah. Yeah, but that I, I I do think that that's a good strategy though to to handcuff, especially those more vulnerable starters. But mm-hmm. honestly, like I mean the the from the quarterback aspect, I think that that's it's it's good solid strategy. But to me, it's just so much more compelling. Like whether I have Gardner or not, it's just so much more compelling to you know partway through the season if the Eagles are losing games and or if Jalen Hurts is not showing much progress as a passer, not much development as a passer, just start gathering up those Eagles pass catchers mm-hmm. because Gardner Minshew's coming. 
I like it. <laughs> That's kind Got of an explanation. Coming. <laughs> Boom. It's Mike like kind drop. of a good explanation or, uh, exclamation point for the episode, too. Yeah. And we made it through this whole list. We talked about all of them somehow. Yeah. I'm like, almost surprised. Yeah. Not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it, but we made it. So whatever. And, and some bonus players. Yeah, that's true. Robert Woods to the moon. <laughs> Justin are... Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Yeah. Got some Cortland Sutton. Yep. And don't forget Saquon to load Barkley. up on Saquon and DeAndre Swift. Yeah. That's all you need. That's your Those are all, all bonuses. Just Saquon, DeAndre Swift, and a bunch of cardboard cutouts. And you're going to go get a championship. <laughs> get fat heads. They take up less space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Sweet. Uh, well, if this was the last episode before the season starts, and I don't know if it is or not, but uh, I knew that I wanted to talk to Swags one more time. And so uh, to me, this is a great way to wrap up the off season. Uh, you've been a staple on this show for, I mean, for years now, but particularly this off season, it's, you've been on, man, like three or four times. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> I've been on this show more than I've been on the super flexible podcast this year. <laughs> Your own fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sad. <laughs> it's probably pretty, though. probably pretty close to uh breakdown too. Right. Yeah, well, that that's even been longer, probably for sure, dude. Oh, but I, I think I'm gonna have some time opening up, and hopefully, creativity will come with it. Yeah, I'm gonna be outsourcing the uh, at least part of the Superflex standard operating procedures this year. So you'll uh, you'll definitely be invited back very very soon to help me navigate waivers and uh trades ads drops buys sells and of course next week this week we'll be doing that throughout the season and uh i'm definitely gonna enlist your help for that too so swags thanks man for coming on um just one of my absolute best friends so it's always fun to get to talk with you but also uh to me like i said great way to kick off the season and wrap up the off season same so. brother i appreciate you man one thing like and we've said this before but one thing i appreciate it about you is i cannot talk to you for a month and it still just kicks right off i cannot talk to you for i don't think we go very long often but it's always i'm never worried about my relationship with Superflex, dude yeah and uh that's when you know it's a real real thing you know so i appreciate yeah. you tons hogue i can't tell you how much i say it all the time but i mean it absolutely Likewise, thanks for having me friend. on man yeah definitely yep i fully agree with that um and let's wrap it up for the week we've uh we've gone on long enough but he's at swagzilla zero g as if you didn't already know that let's wrap this up for the week subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already subscribe to the dlf family of podcast mega feed do me a huge favor and rate and review the super show it helps me to get out to more people touch on more topics that are useful to you my super friends get at me on twitter as superflex show even better as superflex dude i do not check the super show account i have i have so many dms waiting for me there yeah get to me as superflex dude instead 
uh, even if it's podcast related stuff, I'm just, I'll just, we'll, we'll talk about it there. Uh, and do what he said, go five star review the show. Honestly, it would take you less time than this outro. Seriously, seriously. I, and not only because this outro is, uh, a little bit longer than probably necessary too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, get at me at Superflex Dude. Get at him at Swagzilla Zero G. He'll this end episode. the show when you let him know you re- you reviewed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll wait patiently. <laughs> <laughs> Go write your your review. <laughs> Be really nice, <laughs> so that we can end this thing. <laughs> We're both ready to go. Uh, hang out with our respective wives get some grub yeah exactly (laughs) um yeah this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james the brain katulis thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexible